Hello and welcome to Automators. I'm Rosemary Orchard and I'm joined as always by David Sparks. Hey David, how are you today? I'm doing great, Rose. I uh, I just launched a new field guide, so I feel like I have the weight of the world off my shoulders. <laughs> that means that nobody has watched it yet, right? Ah, sorry, I'm being evil today. No, it's a great field guide. I've been watching some of the little bits behind the scenes learning about how photos works because my photos have been in such a bad uh, like state. I've had photos everywhere and nowhere at the same time because they were all in oh, really? stupid places. <laughs> I feel like I'm finally getting everything back together. Yeah, I had a bunch of stuff like exported into folders over years from different cameras and stuff like that. And I lost a bunch of photos a couple of years ago. And so I'm going through really tidying up my collection. And it's, it's great that your field guide's helping me do that. So I'd recommend people check it out. Yeah. So photos field guide is out now. It's almost six hours long. It just, I can't help myself gang. They just get longer and longer. 122 videos or so thereabouts. Um, and it covers photos on the Mac, iPad and iPhone. It's really kind of, I had to make two courses because there's two different platforms and uh, it came yeah. out great. There's an introductory price. So it's on sale for about a week or so. So if you want to get it, head over to learn.maxsparky.com. There's nothing in it about automation really, but the, uh, I can't help but talk about it everywhere I go. So uh, if you, if you're interested in photos, I did try to make this one. So it's accessible to everyone. So if you, there's someone in your world, that may not be writing Apple scripts and shortcuts, but does want to get better at taking pictures with their iPhone or managing photos, this might be something for them. Okay, uh, we made it to episode 50. Hooray! Yeah, we did. It's a shiny number, a really round shiny number. Um, yeah. I love it. I'm, I'm really glad we made it this far, David. Yeah, I, I love making podcasts where people tell me at the beginning that nobody will ever listen to them and they'll never last and then rubbing their nose in it when we get to good round numbers like 50. And, and automators is definitely one of those, you know, people said, you're going to make a whole show about automation. No way. Nobody's going to listen to that. Yeah. But we made it. Huh. We made it. We're at 50. A lot more content. And yeah. And I think everybody listening will agree that the, the people who said podcast about automation really is, is wrong because we're having great fun here. And hopefully everybody is learning and enjoying as well. Yeah. Um, one of the things I thought would be fun, we, we have a lot to cover today in the outline, but uh, before we move on, just because we're at 50, uh, I, I was reflecting on automation and just kind of my relationship with it recently. I've been doing a bunch of automation. We'll talk about some of it through today's episode, but just kind of the different kinds of automators. I don't know that we've ever really acknowledged it, but if you listen to the show, you know that Rose and I aren't necessarily the same kinds of automators. Rose is a developer, so she comes up with cool automation that often involves programming. And I find myself more as the the wannabe hacky UI automator in the sense that a lot of the automations I write just involve scripting an interface or doing something dumb that still makes it work, uh, whereas yours are such such cleaner and and easier to use. Well, you say that, but I also end up spending a lot more time on my automations, relatively speaking. You know, maybe for me, it's not a lot of time, but it, it it would certainly be quicker to do the approach that you're doing. And I think that there is a lot to be said for the recommendation of, you know, and I will have Keyboard Maestro click at this image when it appears on the screen instead of finding out exactly what that's called and how to trigger it via Apple Script or something instead. Because your solution works 100% of the time, which means it's a great automation because that's the whole point of the automation, right? It works. Uh, and you didn't spend three hours Googling how to find different system preference panes, names or something like that. Um, so, you know, I, I think 
we, we've both got good approaches and that we can both learn from one another and keep learning as we go forward. Yeah, I do think the, the big point is there's room under the tent for anybody that wants to do automation, whether to you that just means getting really good at text expansion or going all the way to write, you know, Xcode apps to automate things for you. I think there's room for everybody and we really try to cover all of that on the show. So uh, if you're listening and sometimes we go a little too deep for you, stick around because we're going to cover the shallow stuff too. That's my specialty, the shallow. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm I'm specialty in the deep. So let's meet in the middle as well and cover everybody, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, uh, I thought it also would be fun to kind of go back since we're at episode 50. Uh, are there any favorite episodes you've had Rose and, uh, and just things we've covered that, that really stand out for you so far? Yeah. So I would say one of the things that we, we covered um, and a full credit goes to you for the field guide on this as well has been Keyword Maestro. Keyword Maestro has been one of those apps that I've been using it for years, but really I, I haven't been scratching the surface. And if I'm being honest, I'm still not really doing much more than scratching the surface on it. You know, I have a couple of macros to like center windows and stuff when I'm doing uh, screencast online shows so that my, my windows are in the same place between takes and so on. But I haven't done that much with it. But every time I go to look at it, like there there's so much more that I can learn. And that was episode 28 where we, we dove into Keyboard Maestro. And I learned so much in preparation for that episode, during that episode and after that episode. And it, you know, it's just really great how much I can keep learning from an application that I was already using. Um, but, you know, I, I can I can dive in further there. Yeah, I feel like Keyboard Maestro, you know, talking about the shallow automator, it is like, it is the it is the hammer that that you know hammers all nails because it's just so great it has it's so deep in its integration with the mac operating system and there's almost nothing that you can't do with it and and sometimes you will have to resort to like an apple script or something a little more advanced in fact one of my automations i'm going to share in today's show involves keyboard maestro and an apple script but uh, for so much of the things you want to do, it just works. I mean, you talked earlier about, you know, find a button on the screen and push it, you know. And one of the things Keyboard Maestro can do is you can just take a quick little screenshot of the screen and then you can save that image to a Keyboard Maestro action and just say, look for this on the screen and click, you know, in the center of it. And, you know, I just got done talking, the 122 videos in this new field guide. It, there's a web interface where I had to do something 122 times yesterday and I was not <laughs> going to sit there and click. So I made a quick keyboard maestro script that it, you know, I hit command L which selects the search bar and then it pastes in a specific uh, URL. So then I knew I could reset it every time. And then I had it look for a specific button on the screen. And then there was a little pause, man, keyboard maestro and pauses. Those are, that's, that's mm-hmm. the good stuff there. Oh yeah. And so it would pause and then it would click the button and then we'd do it again. And I, I just hit run and I took the dog for a walk and came back and 122 videos were published and it was just that easy, you know? Yeah. And that's the kind of thing with keyboard maestro that you forget about. I mean, it's easy to come up with the automation with keyboard maestro to say, I'm going to set up my screen in a specific way. And that's going to be really cool. But it's just the, sometimes the little things that you need to do over and over again, that just kind of show up in your day. Uh, keyboard maestro is so flexible. You can generate a script to solve that problem very quickly and it will save you a ton of time. I mean, that is true automator, uh, yeah, stuff right there. 
Yeah, absolutely. And the, the other thing that that brings up is, you know, you don't have to create a macro that is going to live, you know, with you for the rest of your life. Um, you know, you can create an automation. In this case, in your case, it was a keyboard maestro macro. I often do this with shortcuts. I will create a shortcut for a very specific use case, use it and then delete it. Like the thing may never even get a name, um, but I just use it and then it's done. And you know what? That that for me is is magic because you of course, the automations that you can use day in and day out definitely are in their place. Um, and they really ought to. Um, but sometimes you just need an automation to do this one particular thing, like publish those 122 videos. Now, I'm guessing you might keep that macro because I'm guessing you may be planning another field guide somewhere in your future and want to use that again. Um, but, you know, it, in this particular case, it just saved you, you know, 122 times however many clicks that would have taken to do that. So congratulations. Yeah. And the that one had a unique URL and the button layout would be different for a different course. So I just trashed it, but it took me all of two minutes to make it. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I cover that. I sound like I'm a self-promoting moron today, but I, I cover that in depth in the Keyboard Maestro Field Guide. But the, the those little one-timers, if you once you understand the application, it's very easy to make them. So it, it's not really a problem. Uh, so what are the, some of the other categories of keyboard martial work you're doing these days that um, that have changed since we started making the show? Well, one of the things that's changed is I am now using palettes um, and I, I've gone a lot more into groups as well. So I have my keyboard maestro macros sync between my devices, um, which is a great idea. And if you're not doing this already, I would recommend that you do so. But do it in conjunction with groups, because groups mean that you can say that these macros will only trigger on this device or that device, and you can disable them per device, which is great because then I have a bunch of macros that appear and only run on my work machines. But if I think of something when I'm at home and I want to edit my keyboard maestro macro, I can do that from home and it, it has that change on my machine. And making my keyboard maestro macros global really was a big game changer for me because that, that just, you know, upped everything just a little bit. But it also meant that some macros that I had, you know, I could have the same macro on every device. So I have one that positions a, a window in approximately the center of my screen. Some people may have heard on a recent episode of Mac Power Users, I have a crazy large display. I have an ultra wide uh, display. So it's 34 inches, but that means that it's like two monitors wide. And I don't want, you know, windows the width of my whole screen. So that uh, macro to put a window in the approximate middle of my screen with two small windows on either side, that's on all of my devices now. And that that's been a real game changer. Yeah, that's a and that's a screencaster trick too, because if you center the window, then when you go to produce your screencast and you want to resize or anything, having the window centered makes centering it on the canvas and the screen flow or the screencasting application is a lot easier. Um, I, oh, yeah. I did the same thing. Uh, it's a very simple script in Keyboard Maestro to center a window. Um, it's a one-step script. And I use the keyboard shortcut Caps Lock L, which is, you know, the Caps Lock for me is that super key, uh, courtesy mm -hmm. of, of Brett Terpstra. And um, so it's the equivalent of Shift, Command, Option, uh, Control. And so super key L centers the screen. And I don't even know why I used L, because I think it just was the... Uh, a key that was under one of my fingers on the keyboard and it was still available, but it, it works great. And it's L for logical as well. There you go. <laughs> so there we go. 
you go. Yeah, no, I, I, my, my one for screencasting actually resizes the, the, the window. So it makes the window full screen to start with or full size to start with. And that resizes it down to 80% and then it centers it. Um, because that way I always have exactly the same size window. Um, for all of my screencasts. So if I have to do another take, uh, spoiler, when, I, when I'm recording my screen, sometimes it's actually two takes stitched together. But because I've positioned my windows with Keyboard Maestro, it's really hard to tell um, because, you know, everything's in the same place, which is great for me. So I, I'm a Basecamp user and, you know, I'm really torn on Basecamp. Sometimes I really love the, the service. It's basically a website, you know, file management system and much more. But with some of the the day job stuff I do, it is very helpful. But it is one of the least automation friendly services you could ever have. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. there's just not a way to automate a lot of things that you do in Basecamp, which I'm used to automating everything. So lately, I've been using Keyboard Maestro, and I just have that Caps Lock plus B, and it's a palette of tools I've developed for Basecamp, and it's mm-hmm. you know a lot of them use unique URLs, which you can automate. Some of it is using Zapier, but I'm just trying to find as many ways as I can to automate this process. I'm still not even convinced. Like some part of me is saying, thinking I should just go to Dev and Think or do something local on my system. But um, Keyboard Maestro is giving me a way to try and add automation to something that really isn't very automation friendly. Yeah, and I think that that is something else to keep in mind, you know, just because we're using an application that maybe itself doesn't have support for all of this automation goodness doesn't mean that you can't automate it anyway. Um, I I will say uh, I've also had to do some things with Basecamp, um, and one of my favorite tricks has been Zapier with a webhook. So you use a webhook as your trigger, and then you can trigger that webhook from shortcuts or keyboard maestro or, you know, pretty much any other app that can send a webhook. Um, and, and that has been a great way for me to automate some Basecamp stuff because it gets the data into Basecamp without me having to write scripts that can do the, the authentication dance that's required to connect to the Basecamp API. Yeah, and using Zapier, uh, a great way to automate something like Basecamp is, is usually creation stuff, like create a project, create a note. All that stuff is very um, webhook automation friendly, but you know, the, the deeper stuff that we do, like append a note and things like, like we use can do on our native apps really isn't very, uh, easy on a web service. And that's when you get into something like you have a unique URL and you, this is the kind of getting back to the hacky automator that I am. I will use a unique URL, get into a text field, then I'll hit literally a keyboard shortcut to move the cursor to the bottom. And then type text in and then you know i i'm just using like robot you know make the mac pretend a human is sitting at me and push these keys type automation it's, it's very crude but it works well that's the trick isn't it if it works then it's an automation and it's successful and that's what people should remember if they're if they're new to automation or thinking their automations aren't very good i i don't care if you don't think it's very good if it automates something then you're an automator congratulations you you get the badge yeah that's cool. So Keyboard Maestro, I, I agree, is one of the, the most interesting topics we've been able to cover here. The other one, and the one you've made reference to already, is Shortcuts. I feel like um, Shortcuts is the spirit animal of this podcast because you and I, as we've mentioned, we, we started recording the show before Apple announced Shortcuts. And 
then um, <laughs> then they announced it. So we had to go back and re-record the first couple episodes. But uh, we've been running this show, the lifespan of shortcuts, and we've had some great coverage of it over the you know last couple of years. We've I've really enjoyed uh, having app developers in that are building tools for shortcuts and hearing their stories oh, yeah. and what they've made and and how they're automating. And we're going to have more of those going into the future. We're already working on that. Um, but I also just like in general, the way shortcuts is the keyboard maestro of iOS. And in some ways it's worse and in some ways it's better, but it's been real fun covering that here on the podcast. Yes, it really has. And, you know, seeing how it's evolved as well, because when shortcuts, you know, before shortcuts existed, when it was workflow, you know, everybody was worried what was going to happen and seeing it, you know, evolve from workflow into shortcuts and then from shortcuts to shortcuts with per, uh, with actions that could be added by developers and shortcuts to shortcuts that could be added by developers that can take parameters and then a whole suite of applications. That's what I'm going to call it because it really is. It may all be from different app developers, but all of these app developers are working together to, to you know, towards one goal to make shortcuts better. Um, and I'm really excited to see that. And things like DataJar and Charty and all of these other great applications, you know, they, they really make shortcuts better. And we, we should all be excited that this exists. Even if you may not personally have a need to create charts in your shortcuts, other people do. And maybe one day you will. And it's really cool that that's even possible. So I, I'm really excited by all of that. Yeah, just third party features. And it's impressive because the memory restrictions that these shortcuts have, and you know, it's not like an app where you can just take over the phone. Um, it does require very careful management of memory and programming. It's it's beyond my pay grade. I know that. And nevertheless, these developers come up with these amazing things. Data jar is, I think probably the most useful addition to shortcuts I've seen because now I've got this, this app full of global variables that I'm constantly hitting. And it's like the, the existence of a known data store for me actually increases the options for me to create shortcuts. Yes, it does for me too. Um, and we, we had a recent episode with Scotty Jackson um, about, you know, how he's using data jar to, to as like a backend of data for shortcuts, which is, you know, what it is. But the fact that it's there and you can go straight into it and edit, you know, these 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 dictionaries of data or whatever it is that you're storing outside of the shortcuts app for me has been a game changer because I have started putting some stuff in there um, just because I can. And I'm not sure yet I'm going to need it in shortcuts, but I just need like a tiny little database where I can store a bunch of values. And then, you know, in some cases, it's turned out I actually do need this in shortcuts. Um, and it's great that it's there. And in other cases, I may not need it in shortcuts, but I can go and look at it and view it on all of my devices. So it's great. My favorite guest so far in the 50 episodes has been Sal Segoyan. He's been on a couple times. Sal is so, he loves automation so much. It's infectious. If you meet him or talk to him or hear him on the show, you know this guy believes in this so much. And I loved the episode where he came on to share that crazy control board he made. And um, we'll put a link to it. And this is something, if you want a fun weekend project, Try and set up Sal's control board with your iPad and your Mac. He's driving Apple scripts mm -hmm. from the from the glass screen of his iPad. It's just kind of amazing, and you know, it's just it just epitomizes Sal's um, creative thinking about automation and and what he's done for the Mac and iOS now. 
Yeah, it is. Um, and that's one of the things where I, I've, I've looked at this and I've gone back and forth on using it. But in general, it's really nice to have this here as a, a way to keep it. And Cell's just a, a great fan of automation and, and somebody, you know, that we should all be, you know, remembering and, and talking to uh, regularly in the community because he has so many great ideas. So it's been a real honor to have him on our show. Yeah, I, I like what he did and I like the technique of it, which gives me ideas to do other things. But to be honest, I actually don't use it. Sal, if you're listening, I'm sorry. But because I use these uh, keyboard maestro palettes, so it kind of solves the scratches the same edge for me. I go back and forth on using it. I actually have it set up for for my work device because my work device uh, is a 12-inch MacBook right now. Yeah. Um, and for those of you familiar with the 12-inch MacBook, it is very, very cute. It's very, very light. Um, and that's about all it's got going for it because it's got one USB-C port on it, not even Thunderbolt 3. Um, and it's super underpowered. So using, uh, in my case, um, I can't even use Lunar Display because I don't have enough ports for this. So I'm using um, the, the macOS Catalina screen extension um to do this um but you know having that both as an extra display and then also as, as a palette of macros that i can i can tap to run has been a game changer and, and, well i will say about that though is he opened my eyes about some of the apple scripts to control system preferences and system events and a bunch of those scripts i've just basically copied into keyboard maestro into a into a palette but yeah, that that was probably one of my favorite guests. What about you? Uh, any particular guests stand out for you as we get through episode fifty? I mean, it's it's really hard to pick a favorite because I've I've loved everybody that we've talked to, yeah. um, and you know, I I I don't think I can pick one because that that might be unfair. Though Cell, uh, of course, is great, but maybe if I, if you had to poke me, I might go with JF Brissett just because he's shown me so many little things that you can do and the art of looking for where you can automate things you know obviously you and i were both good at spotting uh you know places where we can automate stuff but you know he really broke down you know where you can go back and and look for things and places that you can automate stuff yeah well jf's one of my best friends so it's hard for me not to say to agree with you there but the uh but he uh he does a lot of editing work and this is a guy who makes these really tiny keyboard maestro scripts. Like I think he's got one to eliminate my ums because he does some editing for me. And he just pushes <laughs> a button and it just it goes through and just deletes just enough to get rid of the um which comes out of me once in a while, but also preserve the rest of the text. He's got like all these amazing little keyboard maestro scripts, which I think uh, they kind of fit in the sparky hacky category in terms of they're just hitting a little couple keyboard uh, shortcuts, moving the mouse, whatever. But you know, when you're doing this for a living and you're grinding through so many videos, it really makes a difference. It really does. Um, and he he's let me know that there is an Alfred, uh, so a text expansion um, macro that he's using that has my name in it. Uh, so I'm hoping to get a hold of that one from him at some point in the future. This episode of The Automators is brought to you by MindNode. Mind map and brainstorm your ideas with MindNode. Every great idea or project starts with a single thought, which leads to another and another and then a million more. You can quickly feel overwhelmed, but you have important work to do, so you need an easy way to log those thoughts, and this is where MindNode comes in. MindNode helps you capture your thoughts and create a clear picture of your ideas. I love MindNode because I can move things around. I can just drop ideas in MindNode Canvas, and as I think about it further, I can go in and move them around, make them work for me. With MindNode, you can make it part of your workflow by taking advantage of its integration with shortcuts to create new mind maps, 
launch the quick entry bar, export documents, export formats. You can even create documents with predefined titles, text, or dates, so you can template your mind maps with automation. I really like using MindNode when I have meetings with clients. A lot of times we're going over ideas for a contract I'm writing for them, and I'll put all the ideas on the page with MindNode and then start combining them together right in front of the client. It's a really great way to kind of come up with ideas and, and make it work for them. When I'm done, I can use the shortcuts automation to automatically generate a PDF and send it to the client's email so they can have it to look at it later. There's just so many ways I use MindNode. Uh, the photos field guide that I just released started out as a mind map that I created with MindNode. It's just a great application and I love it. The developers never stop working on this app. They just released version 7.2 last week. It has full iPad OS trackpad support, which is awesome. Uh, MindNode is available for iPad, iPhone, and Mac, and it's all on the App Store. So start editing features for free and you can try all the features with a free two-week trial. So what are you waiting for? Head over to the App Store, download MindNode, and start controlling those crazy ideas in your head and get them captured into a nice mind map. You can learn more over at MindNode.com, M-I-N-D-N-O-D-E.com. Let them know you heard about it here on the Automators Podcast. And our thanks to MindNode for their support of this show and all of FM. So Rose, what automation problems have you solved recently? Well, uh, I've solved many problems recently, uh, not exclusively automation related. Uh, so as people may have heard, I'm, I'm in the process of moving back to the UK. And one of the things that I needed to solve as part of my move was I need a car. I'm, I'm not living in a city. Public transport here is uh, intriguing at the best of times, horrendous at the worst. Um, and unfortunately, the area I'm living in is not public transport conducive. So after doing a little bit of messing around trying to solve the public transport issue, I caved and I got a car. But it's not a car with CarPlay or any of that. So I've been trying to figure out how can I automate a dumb car, um, which, you know, it's it's a good car. It drives and so on. And uh, I've had to do a whole bunch of like little things just to make my life a little bit easier with a car. And I'm going to confess, this is mostly NFC tag related because uh, NFC tags are one of those shortcut automation triggers there. You can just run a shortcut if your iPhone is unlocked when you when you tap uh, the NFC tag and it just goes and that, for me, has really been great. So uh, I have an NFC tag on the mount that I put my phone on on the dash, which has to fit into the CD player because this car doesn't have Bluetooth or anything, um, or let alone a phone holder. Um, and so I tap my, my phone on, on the tag on the mount just as I'm putting my phone into it. Um, and then it, it goes off and it triggers a few things for me. So first of all, it um, figures out, looks at my calendar. And if there is an event with an address in it, um, uh, on my calendar, um, you know, sometime today, anytime today, pretty much, it shows me a list of those events so that I can pick from one to get driving directions to it, or I can say no driving directions. So I have a, a series of choices there. Um, and then if I, if I pick to get driving directions, um, sorry, I, I have no driving directions and I have other, um, as well. So if I pick no driving directions, that just skips this. If I pick other, then it uh, allows me to um, input an address with dictation because I'm probably about to start the car, so I shouldn't be typing. Um, and then, uh, and if I pick one of them, then it uses that. And then I found around here, Google Maps is actually best. I, I wanted to use Apple Maps, but Google Maps is better for for this area. And it shows the, the speed limit on the screen and everything for me all the time, which I noticed Apple Maps not always doing. So it gets the directions using that for me. And it, it will do that right at the end of the script then. 
Uh, and then it also picks a random driving playlist. I've created five different driving playlists uh, and it picks a random one of those for me and then it plays it. Um, and, you know, that's that's it. But at the same time, uh, it, it's really nice. And I'm considering building a list of regular locations that I may drive to um, that I can have inside of other so that I can pick one of those or type something else. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Now, uh, because yeah. what about, I think it's called upcoming events. There is a widget on the iPhone yeah. that shows you upcoming events. You just slide over. And I actually, because I, I considered that to scripting uh, driving directions, but just using the upcoming events thing, it always shows me the events I've got on my calendar already. So I've, yeah. I've never bothered to script that because I could just tap on one. Um, but I like well idea. in this case because I also want the music. It made sense to do it inside of the shortcut for me. Yeah, exactly. And and I also the um the frequent destination stuff is nice um, because you can you know it, it just when you're in the car you can make it easy to go there. Although if they're frequent destinations, you need directions. Um, is there a way to script? Because in Apple Maps you can um, manually tell it you know, just give me directions. Don't give me verbals, you know, so it just gives it on the screen. Cause I actually like knowing ETA information and how long until my next turn, even though I know where I'm going. Um, so I use directions all the time for that, but I don't know that there's a way to script that to turn off the, the voice um, directions in automator. I'm sorry, shortcuts. I don't think there is either, especially in my case, I'm using uh, Google maps as well. So yeah. I, I'm not even, I'm, I don't even have um, a lot of the other options uh, because um, so inside I should know I'm using the standard Apple action, which is show driving directions to destination using. And then if you tap on maps, then depending on the apps that you have installed, you will have a series of options. So in my case, I have maps, city mapper, Google maps and ways installed. Um, and so I've selected Google maps. But I, I don't get to choose with or without audio. So one of the things I do have to do, which is why I do this while I'm still parked on the driveway um, or in the par- car park, depending on where I am, um, is I then have to, to tap it to turn off audio directions if I don't want them. Um, but yeah, like you, even if I don't need the, the audible cues, I, I like to have it shown on my screen just as a prompt of, yeah, you're, you're supposed to turn left here. And also, I, I, I like the frequent destinations because there are roadworks. So I, I went on a trip today. I went on a picnic. It was very fun. Uh, we all stayed long distances away from each other and shouted at each other instead of hanging out close together so that nobody gets sick. Um, but, um, you know, so um, what 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 is great is there were roadworks on the way. I knew where I was going, but there were roadworks. And it told me there were roadworks and offered to divert me around them because as as well as there being roadworks, the, the road surface was actually loose. Um, so there were like chippings flying everywhere and so on. And, you know, I've just got this car. I'd like to keep it in decent condition. So I, I went around. Um, and that that for me was really useful to have. Yeah. In Southern California, that's another reason why you always want the directions because it, it'll give you alternate directions if there's traffic or an accident. And, you know, you yeah. don't know that unless you've got a device doing the work for you. I think if I were to design that, I would probably start actually with frequent. I would not make it a separate tap to get to frequent destinations. I would probably Mm -hmm. have a screen that has frequent destinations and upcoming events. I'm considering doing that. I'm actually building the menu right now using uh, the Toolbox Pro Action to build pretty menus um, so that I can have different icons for different events um, or uh, sorry, for different locations. So I could just put a calendar icon for my next, you know, couple of calendar events and then um, put, you know, like 
a location pin as my my icon for the other ones, which might be uh, a good idea. I may have to rework this before it gets into the show notes this week. Toolbox Pro is so great. And and the ability, oh, yeah. I mean, that's just another thing. I mean, who would have thought that we could actually customize the user interface with icons? You know, Apple's not going to bother doing that, but through a third-party app, we can. I love that. Uh, all right, so yeah. I need to know, just for my own knowledge, you said you've got multiple driving playlists. What, how, how do you break them up? I mean, like, is one just ABBA? Yeah. Uh, okay. It's not just ABBA, but it's ABBA and other kind of similar poppy fun music. I, I, I had pegged you as an as an ABBA ABBA lady. I figured you'd like ABBA. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I I have diff- I have a couple of different ones. So I have a, a musicals one, which is okay. Mamma Mia was in there, but that it's not an ABBA playlist because that's apart from the the actual like piano. Uh, that's that's not the ABBA people. Um, but um. You know, so I have a, a musicals one. I have like a, a more poppy one. I have a more rocky one, um, and then um, I have like a, a couple of other ones which I've just put together over the years. And I, I realized I had like four different driving playlists. So I was like, let's make it an uneven five, uh, which happens to coincide with episode fifty. I was not going to make fifty uh, playlists, and I've just added them, and I I pick one at random. Whenever I drive, I I make sure to never listen to bebop because I always speed when I play bebop music. I can't. It's like I just go yeah, faster. I have to say, like, I, so, some of this, like, I have, I, I do have to occasionally say, uh, hey, Magic Lady next. Um, and then uh, I, I'm going to go back and make a smart playlist of stuff that I've skipped inside of my driving playlist recently so that I can exclude those from my driving playlists because sometimes something comes on and you're there going, okay, like, this is a great song and I love it, but I, I'm putting my foot down on the accelerator a little too hard. I'm going to break the speed limit if I'm not careful. So. Uh- Couple other, Migrated out. A couple other questions for you. Have you considered um, number? Uh, have you considered like adding "Do Not Disturb" like instructions, or maybe flipping the screen from dark mode to light mode, depending on the time of day? So uh, I automatic. I have my phone automatically switch between light and dark mode depending on the time of day. So theoretically, that should not be a problem for me. Yeah. I wanted to have "Do Not Disturb" while driving enabled automatically by my shortcut. And I looked, and I looked, and I looked. There is no control for do not disturb while driving inside of shortcuts. And this is disappointing, I have to say. I would really like this for all of the people like me who have older cars. Um, you know, we can't automatically enable do not disturb while driving unless it automatically enables every time you get in a vehicle that can go fast. Which, when you're a passenger, you don't necessarily want do not disturb while driving enabled automatically. Um, and you don't want to have to remember to do it manually. So actually, right now, the very last action inside of my shortcut is a notification to enable do not disturb while driving. Okay. <laughs> um, so that I can enable it manually. Um, but I'm really, really, really hoping that the shortcuts team are listening um, and they, they, they poke the right people so that they can add the ability to enable and disable do not disturb while driving. Because the other thing I would really like to add to the shortcut is um, the, uh, uh, just storing something in data jar at the top so that when I, I tap it, my phone on the NFC tag, if it's currently um, enabled, then it disables everything. And so it pauses the music, it, you know, it turns off do not disturb while driving. And otherwise, when I tap it, it enables everything and gets me going. Um, and, you know, if, you know, so that I can do two different things. But right now I don't need to do that because I can't enable do not disturb while driving, sadly. 
Now, if you do the, if you go into the do not disturb setting and do the automatic do not disturb while driving, I believe that is speed related. If you're going at a certain speed, yeah. it turns on. That's kind of there. Yeah. Right. I, I would. Yeah, it is. But then, as I said, if you're a passenger um, yeah. and I'm frequently a passenger in other people's vehicles, or if you get on a bus or a train or plane, it automatically enables and it can be a bit of a pain. Um, which is a real shame because it's a great feature. And if most of the time you're driving yourself, then it's perfect. But in my case, I'm, I'm driving myself maybe a third of the time. Um, so I, I don't really need this feature enabled most of the time because if I'm, you know, sending people messages on the way somewhere and then I stop getting them because do not disturb while driving is enabled, then it's kind of annoying. Yeah, I, I get it. I, I, I've, I've activated it while biking. But it's fine. I don't. I mean, I shouldn't be texting while biking either. Um, but yeah, probably not. That's cool. One other dumb question, and this is just something I've never tried before. Um, you said you're using an NFC tag that is in the iPhone holder or stand in your car. Yeah. Um, I've never left an iPhone attached to an NFC tag. Does it re-trigger the shortcut at any point during the trip? Uh, no, because uh, so the way that you trigger an NFC tag on your iPhone is um, the, the reader is actually near the camera area at the top of your phone. So what I do is I tap the camera area of the of the the phone to the NFC tag. But then when it actually docks, the NFC tag is roundabout against the Apple logo. Um, I mean, it should be approximately there because uh, the the mount sits just below the the volume button um, height wise. Because otherwise, if it's pressing one of the buttons, and things can go a little bit crazy, and you're wondering why you don't hear any music, uh, that did not happen to me today at all. Um, so, um, but because it's down, then sitting around the the Apple logo area, it doesn't trigger because there's no reader there. So it's, it's not a problem, fortunately. Really, is that is that sensitive? I because I use the NFC tags, but I've just never thought about leaving one near one after I trigger it. You know, usually, I, like I've got one in the door jam. And, yeah, in this case, it seems to be working fine. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I'll tell you, I I had an automation thing. I kind of went the rosemary orchard direction this uh, week. I, <laughs> so I I created a keyboard maestro script to create a new contact in. Cardhop, you know, Cardhop is a great app. It's like made by the same people, makes Fantastical, and it has the same idea of you can type one line of syntax and create a contact the same way you can do a, a, a calendar event with Fantastical. Um, and you know, kind of getting back to automating Basecamp, one of the things I do with Basecamp when I make a new project is I also create an email archive for that project. And the way it works is mm-hmm. you just blind copy every email or forward every email related to that project to this magic email address, and then it saves it and indexes it for you. So it's kind of a nice way to to keep emails together with documents in a project. But the idea of going into you know Basecamp, copying a, a new email address every time we create a new project, and then creating a new contact. It just makes me want to yank my hair out. I mean, the Apple Contacts app is terrible about adding new contacts. It requires a combination of mouse clicks, mouse moves, and 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 keyboard entry that is, you know, it's almost masochistic how how hard it is to create new contacts. I, I know people are rolling their eyes, but it's just it's too much, right? I don't want to spend all that time. And yeah. the the very thought of doing it means that then I don't get the emails entered and then I get an email that I want to forward to a project and inevitably I haven't created the contact card because I just couldn't bring myself to do it. And so I, I'd made one with card hop that basically you'd copy it to a, you'd copy the magic email address, 
put it in a paste buffer and then it would run a script and it'd ask you the name and it would open card hop and enter the text for you and create the contact entry. And that was great. But you know, there's a lot of people that don't own card hop. And also this is one where I felt like, you know, going directly into the contacts database would feel better than, you know, watching it appear on the screen. Cause sometimes it doesn't always work right when you're opening a third party app and you're trying to type a string of text. If, if the, you know, the application open gets behind, you don't get the text in right. And it just felt a little clunky to me. So I wanted to write directly into the contacts database. Um, Keyboard Maestro does not have contacts um, actions built. You know, it does, has a lot of built in actions, but for whatever reason, contacts is not one of them. There's not like a built-in keyboard maestro action to create a new contact or to alter a contact. So I went, you know, to our old friend Apple script and, you know, with a couple Google searches, I was able to very quickly get the syntax to create a new contact card using Apple script. And uh, I opened up the script editor on the Mac and ran some samples and, and very quickly had it running the way I wanted. But this is a case where I want to run an Apple script that's going to have changing data in it. You know, the actual email is going to change and the description of the project is going to change. So I wanted to write right. variables into an Apple script and I wanted to run the whole thing through through Keyboard Maestro because I already have a whole series of Basecamp related automations built on that caps lock B button. So I have like a palette of, and I just wanted to make this one more thing on the palette. Um, so the challenge I had was to create a keyboard maestro script that would run an Apple script that would grab a variable that I created in keyboard maestro and insert it into an Apple script. And I had never done that before. So I had to do some research and I figured it out. So, and I'll put the, I made a video on it and I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, but the, so what I do in the keyboard maestro half of it is the first thing I do is I grab um, a prompt from user saying, what's the name of the project? You know, cause it's a, it's a new base camp project every time I do this. So I, I type in the name of the project and then, um, and then it takes the clipboard cause, it, cause when I do this, I will have already copied the email from the base camp website. Um, so I, and they've got one button on the screen. In fact, I could automate that with keyboard maestro to have it actually look for the button and push it, but I haven't done that yet. But so I push the button on the website, it copies it to my paste buffer. And then I run the script. It says, okay, what's the name of the project? So it assigns a variable to the name of the project, and then it grabs the clipboard contents and assigns that to a variable as well. And the re I'll explain why I did that in a minute. But so at the end of the process, the keyboard maestro half of this is I've created two variables. One is the name of the project. One is the magic email address. And then I run a, a Apple script and the way you get keyboard maestro variables into an Apple script is a Apple script to keyboard maestro. There's actually, you know, keyboard maestro is Apple script addressable. So you can set a, um, a Apple script variable to the contents of a variable from keyboard maestro. So all you do is say, you know, get, um, or set magic email, which is the magic email address to the, uh, the variable, you know, clipboard email that I had in keyboard mm -hmm. maestro. So all I'm doing in that step is grabbing a variable out of keyboard maestro, inserting it into memory for Apple script. And I do that for both of those. So it's a, it's like a three-step keyboard uh, Apple script to grab the variables out of Keyboard Maestro. Then once I have those, I'm golden. You know, I can just run 
the typical create a new contact Apple script um, command. And mine is very simple because I don't have email address. I'm sorry, I don't have phone numbers and, and physical addresses. All I'm doing is one email address and the name of the organization. And when you make that identification with Apple script uh, name of or- organization, but you don't do first name and last name, um, it automatically creates a contact and marks it as an organization. Cause it says, Hey, he didn't give me a first or last name. So I'm going to assume this is an organization. I thought that was really smart by the contacts slash Apple script team. And then I just add to that, the, um, the magic email. And then the final thing I do is you can using Apple script, add a contact to a group. So then I add the mm-hmm. new contact to the group called Basecamp filings, which is a specific group in my contacts database. And all that happens in the background when you run this little script. And when I'm done, um, I, I, you don't see anything. All you do is you copy the, you know, the email, you hit the uh, caps lock B, and then you type in the project name and hit enter and it's done. You don't actually watch anything happen, but it's there. Mm-hmm. And it came out really nice. I was happy with it. Yeah, I'm really pleased. That that sounds like as something that's really useful for you. And I kind of feel like I should probably have something like this as well. I've been getting a lot of new contact details at work recently. And it's like, whoa, okay, what am I doing with this? I really need to, you know, actually start storing these. So I'm not searching for a previous email from somebody, finding their email address and creating a new email to them. Um, you know, I think I'd be better off with a little bit of keyboard maestro magic in my life. Well, it, it, you know, there's a lot of times you don't need it because like an email is a good example. You can add an email Con, an email information to contacts right from with the app with data detectors. Apple's done a good job of kind of simplifying that. You can, but I would like it to be in a palette on my screen. So it kind of prompts me to do this, if that makes sense. It, yeah. it sounds a little weird maybe, but I, I, I feel like the fact that it shows me like the name of the person instead of their email address, because they figured that out from all the de- information that's available to them is great, but it would also be great if it just created the contact. So putting a macro on my screen to prompt me to do it, I think is probably going to be a good way to go there. Yeah. The, the thing I like most about this one is because it writes basically directly to the contacts database and there's no user interface element going on. It's, it's rock solid and it happens very fast. Quite often the context for this is I get an email related to a project and I, I realize I don't have one. So I just open mm. the the Basecamp window, copy it, run the script, and then I can finish the email and, and add it to that project in very little time. This episode of Automators is brought to you by Text Expander from our friends at Smile. Your time is valuable. Don't spend it typing the same thing over and over. Instead, use a quick search or an abbreviation. Abbreviations expand simple things like your phone number or your address. Or they could expand more complex things like forms with fill-in fields for email and message replies. Text Expander works on all your computers, so you can expand your snippets when you're working in the office on that Windows machine or working from home on your beloved Mac. And if you want to learn more about Text Expander, they do interesting webinars every month. Sign up for the Text Expander beginner, advanced or team webinars to learn more about boosting your productivity. You can find all of their webinars and sign up now at textexpander.com slash webinar. I don't even remember when I discovered TextExpander because it's been installed on my machine so long that whenever I use a Mac that doesn't have it and doesn't have my shortcuts, I kind of feel like maybe it's a bit broken. The snippets that I use the most frequently are simple ones, like my email address and my phone number, because I just don't think about it anymore. I most recommend X Expander to anybody who spends a chunk of their time typing or anybody who's a slow typist, like my dad. 
it can really speed things up, making it easier for you to type your name correctly at the end of those emails or that you don't accidentally switch the last two digits on your phone number. Yes, I'm guilty of both. Text Expander is available for macOS, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad, and Automator's listeners get a 20% discount in their first year. Just go to textexpander.com slash podcast to learn more about Text Expander. It'll really boost your productivity. Check it out now. Textexpander.com slash password. Our thanks to Text Expander for their support of this show and Relay FM. Okay, Rose, uh, episode 50. Um, we are looking at WWDC and just down the road. Yeah. Yeah, WWDC starts exactly one month from the, the day this episode releases. So I feel like we are giving Apple plenty of notice so that they can fulfill all of our desires here. Yes. That's how it works, right? One month of notice. <laughs> yes. Get to work. Get to work. I, I have to admit, when we did our meetup, our automakers meetup last year at WWDC, and the Shortcuts team, basically all of them showed up, it was very intimidating to me to think, oh, these guys are listening to our show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah they're yeah. just laughing it, it is yeah but the uh but i you know i would think it'd be fun we we've been talking about automation a long time what are some things you would like to see improve let's start with shortcuts yeah let's start with shortcuts because i mean shortcuts has come massive strides and i'm really impressed at the amount of support that we've had from third-party developers to add things to shortcuts that previously weren't possible um, and I, I don't want to see the sh- shortcuts team Sherlocking, you know, Toolbox Pro or Data Jar or any of that stuff. I feel, you know, yes, it's a third party thing, but that's not a bad thing. It means that those can iterate and improve at a separate pace um, and so on. But I feel like we need more Apple shortcuts actions like do not disturb while driving. I mentioned this earlier. I can't enable that in shortcuts. I can't log, um, you know, like menstrual health things, um, not the symptoms related to it either. Uh rather, um, inside of shortcuts and stuff like that. And I feel like adding a little bit more of this and that if Apple apps added shortcut support as well, and that's outside the shortcuts team, you know, that's up to like the, the, the makers of GarageBand and stuff to add, you know, I'm not quite sure what you would do with GarageBand shortcuts, but maybe, you know, creating a new project and giving it a name, things like that, you know, even just basic stuff, I feel like would be great fun because this then surfaces shortcuts more, by showing it on the lock screen and in the search for us. So I, I feel like that would be a great place to start. What about you? Uh, I you know, There's so many things I'd like. The, the more you give me with shortcuts, the more I want. Um, a recurring theme for us is the confirmation automatic triggers. I just want that to go away, or I at least want a checkbox I can turn off. I mean, if I have something yeah. that's supposed to trigger automatically upon a certain event and it, then I have to click a checkbox on the screen to make it happen. I mean, I get why that's there. They don't want people to be surprised about things happening on their phone, but I'm a big boy and I'm willing to take the risk and I'd like that to yeah. go away. So that, that, that's an easy one. I don't know if they'll do it or not, but I, I think programmatically it wouldn't be that hard to make that an option. Um, then yeah. the next category of things I'd like to see them improve is data access. Um, for instance, mm-hmm. currently app developers have access to a lot of health data to develop. And there's this great, you know, assortment of third party apps that take your health data and present the data in interesting ways and allow you to do things with it. But it's really not very addressable with shortcuts. If I can let third party developers access my health data, why not let me access it and give me a set of interesting tools and shortcuts to work with it? 
Um, mm -hmm. I think that would also open up opportunities for those third-party app developers to come up with their own shortcut actions as well. Another yeah. category of data I'd like to see is time management data. You know, how much time am I spending in the apps? You know, all the stuff we're getting that the phone is definitely collecting. Um, mm. Why can't we access that through shortcuts and find ways to use that? Like if if I pick up my phone three times in an hour, say, you know, slow down, Sparky, you're going a little crazy here. You know, make sure you get your work yeah. done. You know, just silly things like that. But I think it would be nice to have access to that ourselves. And then definitely the other thing I'd like to see, the third category of things I'd like to see improve is I'd like it to be easier for app developers. I mean, you and I have talked to a lot of people writing apps in this shortcut space. I, I think this podcast probably covers it more than any other podcast in terms of these people that are on the ground writing these apps. And the thing we always hear is, you know, we like to do more, but we hit the memory, you know, hit or, you know, there's not enough, you know, this or that, you know. And I think it's great that they made the stuff accessible to app developers, but the fact that these guys are making the apps sometimes are um, are a miracle because they're working with so many constraints. I, you know, give them less constraints and let's see what they can do. Definitely, and you know, stuff like the the health thing is particularly a contentious issue when for third party developers. So, for example, I, I believe Scriptable originally had support for health data, um, and they had to remove it because Apple wouldn't let them release Scriptable in the App Store with with health kit support. And I feel like Apple is doing a great job trying to protect us from 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 the bad guys, but they're protecting us from ourselves as well uh, in ways that we probably wouldn't like to see. Um, and so, it would be great if you know they maybe ease up on that and go okay and can you show us an example use case of this and you know it's scriptable people you know simon gives a, give us a sample script of where you can extract a bunch of data and you know present a nice view inside of you know from when it's called from siri on your phone about all all of your your data from today and then they go oh that's really cool yes okay you can pass app review with this um you know obviously they've got to protect us from the bad guys but you know giving us access to our data I feel is is not a huge ask. Yeah, these are scripts that we're writing. So, you know. Yeah. Um, I guess the fear would be people would download a malicious script that would take the health data and email it to somebody. But you know, there's so many breaks in place already. Like you have to first enable the application to download scripts from third parties. And that dialogue, I forget the exact text of it, but it's very it's written kind of nasty, you know, it says Untrustworthy. I forget what the exact language is, but uh, untrusted shortcut. Yeah, exactly. Untrusted. I mean, I, I don't like that language anyway. But I mean, there's so many hoops you have to jump through before that problem has happens. Why not give us the ability, you know, or, or maybe uh, you know, Apple people hate to hear this, but add one more checkbox. You know, are you and are you sure checkbox in essence saying you really want access to this stuff? Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, in fact, now that I think about it, you have to enable applica application access to health data already on a per app basis, just add shortcuts to it. If people don't check that box. It's actually already in on a per shortcut basis now as well. So if yeah. I add a new shortcut that wants access, say, access to say my OmniFocus data, OmniFocus is a third-party application, you know, at, I have to grant it access to OmniFocus and I have to grant it access to pages and I have to grant it access to, you know, call different urls so it's here like let, let us you know have a little bit more fun with this stuff please yeah and then, then the other big one that comes up often is okay shortcuts has made this progress is it time to have shortcuts on the mac yeah yeah 
And I think this this is a, a, a an interesting problem. I think we're going to probably see some improvements to Catalyst this year, which is the, the, the system that Apple offer for you to put an iOS app on the Mac. Um, and you know that that's a great idea, and it, it's definitely working for some applications. For other applications, the developers are saying, "No, it's it's not there for me yet. I still need to develop a separate Mac application." But I'm wondering if this year the improvements to Catalyst will be enough that we can run, uh, you know, we can run shortcuts on the Mac. And I'm really hoping the answer is yes. I'm not confident it is, but I, I'm I'm being an eternal optimist and hoping it is. I, I have to wonder um, with you know, the Mac, because we got talking about earlier keyboard maestro and how you can literally script anything on your Mac. You know, what is the necessity of shortcuts? Um, I think it's going to be more limited than what we can already do, but it does offer yeah. a different avenue for people who don't want to learn Apple script or deal with keyboard maestro. So I, I think mm. there's a benefit to it. I, I'd like to see it happen, but I am super curious when they do get around to it to see exactly what that means. Um, if yeah. I had to choose right now, you said, look, you get two choices. We either bring it to the Mac or we spend another year or two making it better on iPhone and iPad. I would choose making it better on iPhone and iPad because those are the Same. platforms that really don't have any other option. And I can get by without shortcuts on the Mac for maybe ever, <laughs> you know, forever. But the um, but I there's a whole bunch of stuff I'd like to see them make better on the iPhone and iPad. Yeah. Me too. I, I, if I had to pick between, say, enhanced automation support on iOS and shortcuts on the Mac, it would be enhanced automation support on iOS. No questions. Well, we made 50 shows, Rose. You want to make 50 more? Definitely. Me too. Tell you what, let, let's make it 100 more. All right. Let's just keep going. Let's just keep going. We've got <laughs> yeah. some great guests lined up in the future, and we've got some subjects to cover. Um, we're always interested in hearing your automation problems and um, oh yeah, and uh, we'll be talking about that going into the future. But uh, I, I'm really having a great time making the show, and I can't wait to keep doing it. Agreed. Yeah, and uh, we've had several questions come in for the Ashley Automator segment of the show, which is new. Um, and uh, you know, please keep sending that in. We we didn't get to that today, but it will be back in future uh, episodes. And uh, we're we're looking forward to solving your problems for you, as well as uh, you know, providing our own solutions to to our problems as well. All right. Uh, thank you to our sponsors, MindNode and Text Expander from Smile. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Goodbye, everyone.